Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Welcome to the Calvary Worship Center of Colorado Springs podcast. We post these messages each Monday, and we invite you to subscribe to our podcast and keep up to date with the pulpit teachings from our church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Today we hear from Pastor Mark Bofill from our church staff as he fills in for Senior Pastor Al Pittman. Developing a servant's heart is our topic, and here's a quick outline to follow. Definition, directions, and dedication. Here we go. Let's turn to the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 25, as we begin. All right, awesome stuff happening here at church. We're so excited. Hey, is uh, Yolanda and uh, Carlos here? There they are right here. Could you stand, please? You guys, let's just put our hands together and thank them for their work in training up Bible leaders. Amen. That is so awesome. Thank you. And then 55 years married. Amazing, right? Is that correct? Wow. That's, that, that alone is an accomplishment. So praise God. Thank you for your service. Please, uh, as service is over, stop by, like was mentioned. Go and give them a big hug and just encourage them in the ministry, okay? Amen. Well, uh, I get to share the word with you guys. I'm very excited. I'll share my topic right now in just a moment. But let me go ahead and pray first and ask God's blessing upon this time. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, that you would bring us into a new year by your grace. Father, we come with an attentive heart to hear your instruction on this topic. And I want to pray, Father, that you would give us ears to hear. Father, that a heart to obey you, Father, and practically live it out, Lord, as believers in Jesus Christ. We invite you into this place. And Father, we just ask right now that, that Lord, we would not turn a deaf ear to your instruction, Father. We want to bring you massive amounts of glory, and we can only do that through your grace. So, Father, help us. Bless this time together. We ask this blessing in Jesus' name. Together we say amen. amen. Creekside, you say? Amen. Very good. You're there and here. Okay, that's good. <laughs> well, praise God. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and start with the story. I always like to start with a little story, so hear me out. A man went to the doctor after weeks of symptoms. The doctor examined him carefully and called the patient's wife into his office. Your husband is suffering from a rare form of anemia. Without treatment, he'll be dead in a few weeks. The good news is it can be treated with proper nutrition. To help him, you will need to get up early every morning and fix your husband a hot breakfast. Pancakes, bacon, eggs, you know, the works. He'll also need a home-cooked lunch every day. And then an old-fashioned meat and potato dinner every evening. Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> it would be especially helpful if you could bake frequently cakes and pies and homemade bread and stuff. These are the things that will allow your husband to live. Oh, one more thing. His immune system is extremely weak. So it's important that your home be kept spotless at all times. <laughs> Do you have any questions? The wife had none. The doctor then asked, Do you want to break the news to him or shall I? I will, said the woman. She then walked into the exam room. The husband, sensing the seriousness of his illness, asked her, It's bad, isn't it? She nodded. Tears began to well up within her eyes. What's going to happen to me, he asked. With a sob, the wife blurted out. The doctor says, you're going to die. <laughs> wow. She doesn't even want to serve her husband a hot cooked meal. I'll tell you, that's not my wife. She makes some awesome meals for me, so... Hallelujah. Hey, I just wanted to share that, but in a very real sense, I'm sad to mention that so many people suffer from a spiritual form of anemia. They don't have the word of God. Nobody cares for them or would even take the word of God to them. Even worse, again, it's hard to find servants in the church who will take the time to nurse others to health through discipleship. 
through serving them, through caring for them. Sad. It seems that in the church today, we've all become either too busy with our own agendas or too distracted or maybe just bored with the things of God. I don't know. You could ask that, that of yourself. Perhaps we've forgotten the blessing that will come to the faithful servants promised of Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. Turn there with me real quick in verse 35. Jesus says that they will inherit the kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the earth. Look at what he says in verse 35 of Matthew 25. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Let me just pause right there. All of those acts are that of servanthood, caring for other people. In verse 37, it says, Then the righteous will answer him, the righteous, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Service. Servanthood is something that the Lord will not forget in eternity. The topic of my sermon today is developing a servant heart. I want you to ask yourself that today and examine yourself. Do I have a servant heart? Do I even know what it is to have a servant's heart? For those of you watching online, think on that. Am I a servant of the Most High? And so an attempt to explain this topic, uh, I want to say that it's very difficult to mention everything that's mentioned in Scripture uh, about this topic of servanthood because there's so much to condense it into one study. So bear with me in that sense. But I also know that some of you that are seasoned saints, you've been serving the Lord for a while, you're like, oh, I already know that message. Well, maybe you need to hear it again. And for some of you that are a younger believer, maybe a newer believer, you're in the right place at the right time. Because God wants to encourage you on how to serve him with a servant heart. And then perhaps maybe you don't know the Lord as Savior. You're not assured of your salvation. This would be a good message because you're going to learn what our Lord and Savior did for us. And that we as believers should follow him as we have a relationship with him. Not religion, but relationship. Amen. So I'm going to try to explain it in three points. They are these. Number one, the definition of a servant. We want to know what it is to be a servant, right? Secondly, uh, directions for servants, as we learn of the example of Jesus Christ. And then third and finally, dedication of servants. How dedicated are you if you are a servant? So um, let's go into the first. De definition of a servant. The word serve is mentioned 211 times in the King James Version. Served, 77 times, and serving, seven times. In the Strong's Concordance, there are several words used to describe a servant or different aspects of it. Let me give you a couple of them. Uh, Latruo is the first one, which means service in a religious sense or a duty. And it's pretty cool because when I was looking up this verse in the New Testament, there were all these duties, I serve the Lord, I serve the Lord, but a lot of times it turned out to be to pay homage or can even be defined as to worship, which is an interesting thought. Do you think that only singing songs is worship? When you serve the Lord, when you serve his people, that is also an act of worship. Amen? So keep that in mind, that even when you do your things to the Lord in secret, it glorifies him. God loves when you're obedient to him and you do that and you offer it in his name. The second word that's pretty common and familiar is diakonio. We get our word deacon from that. 
uh, deacons, deaconesses, if you would, means to wait upon, to be an attendant, or to serve generally. Serving tables, basically, is what we see in the book of Acts. And then there's huperetes. Huperetes, an under oarsman, a subordinate, subordinate minister or officer, one who serves with his hands. If you think about an ancient vessel at, at sea, um, it's not just the captain commanding where to go. The thing that really makes it go is the people who were underneath, rowing with their hands. Wow. Huperetes, am I serving the Lord? Am I rowing? in God's kingdom to bring my captain uh, uh, glory. And then there's doulos, doulos, which means a slave or bond slave. Subservience, it denotes. Interestingly enough, that all of us have been slave to something. Even right now, you're slave to something. I pray that you're a slave to Jesus Christ and to righteousness because that's what he calls us to. And it's not a burden. It's something that we should do out of the joy, a response of love because of his love for us. Our praise goes up because his love came down. How important it is to understand that. Now, it's interesting because in the New Testament, it applies metaphorically to bond slavings of Christ. We are on this side of the New Testament, so we too, if we believe in Jesus Christ, should be bond slavings of Jesus Christ. We see that with the Apostle Paul, Timothy, James, Peter, and Jude. In their epistles, they, can, they refer to themselves as a bond servant of Christ. I am a slave of Christ. Are you a slave of Jesus Christ? Or are you like, well, that's kind of weird. It is an honor to say that I am a slave of Jesus Christ because he gave himself for me and I want to give myself for him. The last one is therapon, servant or faithful friend or superior, used only once in the New Testament and it speaks of Moses who was faithful in all of his house in what he did, only to provide a testimony of what would follow in Christ. Pretty awesome. A servant, a faithful friend to a superior. That's what he was to the Lord. And so let me look at three things here to finish out this point. Servant, servanthood, and servant hearts. In defining a servant, it is important to understand that a Christian servant is, first of all, one who is under submission to God. How many of you would say that you're under submission to God? Please show me by your hand. Like half. Everybody else see me after service, okay? I need to talk to you. I don't even know what happened at Creekside. Nathan? <laughs> we say that we're in submission to God. Are we really? Do we obey him in everything that he asks us to do? Or are you like, in a sense, what I've learned illustration-wise, like my dog Weezer. <laughs> my dog Weezer is like 14 years old. He's a little weenie dog. He's got gray now. He's old. He's old. He almost died twice. And, and uh, he's still alive. But when he was young, I would say... Go to your kettle. I would go, let's go. He would go, boom, right in. Awesome dog. When he had to go to the bathroom, he would, you know, kind of pound on the door. When he had to eat, he would, we had a metal bowl. He would kind of move it. <laughs> Pretty cool. Awesome dog. He's 14 now. I, I opened the door. I said, let's go. Let's go to the bathroom. And he just goes like this. And he goes. <laughs> he kind of does it in circles too. Kind of like, you know, he doesn't know where he's going. He's getting kind of blind. And, and I said, let's go to bed. Let's go to bed. And he goes, same thing. And I, I can't help but make an illustration of that. That's, I've been walking with the Lord for 27 years. When the Lord said, serve me, I'm like, yes. I'd get up early. I'd pray more. I'd read more. I'd do all these things. And now as I'm getting older, I seem to kind of drift. <sighs> kind of want to obey the Lord, but I don't know. Maybe this way, you know? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So my application is don't, don't be a weezer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That wasn't in the last service. That was a freebie for you guys. Amen. A Christian servant is, first of all, one who's under submission to God. Submit to the Lord. Amen. In fact, who do you serve today? Ask yourself over there at Creekside. If you're online, nobody else is there. It's just you. Ask yourself, who do you serve? Second Chronicles 16.9 says this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts 
are loyal to him. Did you catch that? Whose hearts, corazón, your hearts is loyal to God. God is looking for loyalty. He knows your service. He knows what you think of him and your obedience to him. Let me say this. Loyalty and servanthood often go hand in hand. Being a servant shows that you're loyal, right? Servanthood then is a state, a condition, or quality of one who lives as a servant. Do we practice living as a servant? One who makes it a practice to willingly give of oneself, to minister for and to others, and to do whatever it takes to accomplish what is best for another. Amen. As I was writing this, a story came to mind, biblical story of the Good Samaritan. Do we all know the story? Where a certain man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And on the way, he was overtaken by some thieves who stole everything that he had and they beat him to half dead and he lay there dying. Oh, but help comes on the way. A priest, a godly man. Yes, he comes by and stays away and avoids him and passes on. And then a Levite, also a godly man, one who serves. And he likewise passes on by. And then a half-breed comes by, a Samaritan. Mind you, he's a good Samaritan. Can I call him a compassionate Samaritan? And what did he do? What did he do? He put him on his donkey and he got aid. He paid for it out of his own livelihood. Wow. When When Jesus was giving the story, he said, Which one did what was pleasing before the Lord? And they answered, he who showed mercy. Showing mercy is an act of service that glorifies the Lord. I pray that we would not be like the religious people, a a Pharisee or a priest who just, oh, well, I'm a little busy. I got to go serve God. Really? What's wrong with this picture that we don't see that God's right here and this man's in need? Remember what we read at the beginning? If you did it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Keep that in mind, you guys. Because we want to have servant hearts. Servant hearts then are correctly formed when we follow Jesus' example as a servant leader. Everything that Jesus did, we should follow. In fact, my challenge to you this week, uh, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 If you read those chapters, you'll notice that all of it is in red. Why? Because it's the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. You want to be a servant? Then learn what Jesus said. Because he's the ultimate servant. Amen? Jesus says this. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Because we're serving Jesus, we're going to learn of Jesus. He goes on to say, if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. John 12, 26. My father will honor. By just hanging out with Jesus, you're going to learn how to be a better servant. And here's a cool thing. When I thought about my father will honor, at one point in Jesus' ministry, actually two points, a voice came from heaven regarding Jesus and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You guys know the story. He went on to say at another time, this is my beloved son. Hear him. All of us disciples, we should learn from Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, our master, of which we owe our lives because he gave his for ours. Amazing. When we do, God will honor us. He loves that, it, that when we're pleasing to him. And so this topic of servant hearts, I've heard it said that when it comes to serving, there are two kinds of hearts. A serving heart and a self-serving heart. Amen? That's the truth. A serving heart is one who cares for God's glory and for other people. You know what? I'm going to share this little story. When I was young, maybe eight or nine years old, I was in Pop Warner football back in California Uh, El Sereno, California, and uh, I was the center. I didn't want to be the center, but I was good at being the center. They said, hey, we need somebody to try this out. I did it. I did it well, 
And I became the center. I didn't want to be the center. I said, I could throw and I could catch too. But they needed the center, so I, I became that. I was also a nose tackle. And uh, at one point before a game, I remember being all ready. We warmed up. My dad grabs me and says, come here, son. I want to talk with you real quick. And he made me take a knee. And I said, I want you to remember this. That this game or anything that you do, always dedicate it first to God, for the people second, and do it for yourself last. I was like eight or nine years old. And I didn't realize that my dad was teaching me spiritual principles that would benefit me and others for the rest of my life. Wow. Thanks, Dad. Can't wait to see you. Valuable lessons that we learn. Do we bring glory to God first? Is that your utmost goal if you are truly in submission to him? If not, maybe that's part of the problem, right? Wow. In my ministry, oh, I'm sorry, that's a serving heart, but what about the other, the self-serving heart? The self-serving heart is concerned only for Self, what I can get, what benefits me, my personal ambitions and goals and expectations need to be met. And if that is our heart, you're probably going to be one who gets discouraged a lot because that's the wrong motive. Have you found that out yet? Maybe? It's very quiet in here. Hmm. In my ministry experiences, I have met people who claim to have a servant heart. But in the long run, their true colors reveal that they had self-serving hearts all along. Excuse me one second here. Let me close this thought out. As you kick off your new year, seek to know what servanthood truly is and determine if you have a servant heart or not. I would challenge you to ask yourself, what is important to you this year? I know a lot of people make their New Year's resolutions or what have you, but uh, ask, ask yourself, what's important to you this year? Got to go to the gym, got to you know, make money, got to you know, make the addition to the house, whatever your goals are. But let me ask you this, where does your service for God land on the priority scale? The bottom? I hope not. I hope not. C. Lounsbro said this about serving. If I am not a servant to others, by process of elimination, I am then a servant to myself, and that serves no one. You think God knows that? Do we know that? Hmm. Let's move on to my second point. Directions for servants. Directions for servants. Now, there's a lot of different ways to serve the Lord in church, outside of church. I understand that. And so I would say this. If you are not serving in ministry yet in any way, I would encourage you right now directly to step up and step out in faith. Because when you step into ministry, you're stepping into the front lines. And you start learning things that you would never learn. For one thing, it's because of accountability. And you know what? In our society, people don't want... Uh, uh, we don't want other people in our lives saying, hey, you know, this is my space. This is my space, you know. And, and we try to protect that. But you know what? It's healthy when you have a brother or sister in your life that could tell you the truth about yourself. Right? And that comes to accountability. What is the scripture? Gosh, it's in Proverbs. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Oh, everything's fine. Oh, you're so, it's all beautiful. What an idiot. Is that how you are towards your friends? Sorry if I'm getting out of the camera. Sorry. All you over there. Faithful are the wounds of a friend who tells you the truth when you're in error. It's so important, you guys. So utterly important. And so I would say get involved. That helps with accountability and watch yourself grow. Check this out. The greatest ability of a servant begins with availability. Would you say that with me? The greatest ability of a servant begins with? What was that, Creekside? Wow, you guys are not Creekside. They are. <laughs> I just want to include you all because we love you. Amen. Powerful. Growth 
then as a disciple, I would say, is stunted if we fail to avail ourselves in serving God and others. In fact, serving in ministry is a training ground that produces greater maturity in your life as a disciple. It's a training ground. You're like, what's the proof? You want proof? And you all say, okay, I'm going to give you proof right now. Check this out. Pastor Eric Swanson surveyed his church to see if people saw a relation between ministering to others and spiritual growth. When asked, to what extent has your ministry or service to others affected your spiritual growth? 92% answered positively. They totally grew as they served. None responded that ministry had a negative effect on their spiritual growth. 63% indicated that service was equally significant in their spiritual growth compared to other spiritual disciplines such as Bible study and prayer. So I read the Bible and I pray and I start getting busy in Jesus' name. Boom! You become a servant leader, a powerful one. According to these stats, there's my proof. I'm not done. Check this out. 24% responded that ministry or service to others had been a more significant factor to their spiritual growth than Bible study or prayer because they're blessing others. You don't have to know much about the Bible to serve somebody else. And then, this is amazing, the opposite side of it all. Over half, 58%, of those who were not actively ministering to others felt either not satisfied or somewhat satisfied with their level of spiritual growth. Quick question, is that you right now? Are you satisfied with your spiritual growth so far in 2019 or maybe even in your whole life? Do you desire Spiritual growth in 2019. And all of you can say, of course. Then, my exhortation again, step up and step out in faith. Get involved. Just a quick note before I move on to talk about some deeper things. There's plenty of areas to get involved here at Calvary Worship Center. Okay? Um, Life groups. Join one. We're always looking for life group leaders for sermon base. Pretty simple. Come see me after service or go to the Life Center. But if you really want to know about serving here, go to our Discover class. It's next Sunday at 145 upstairs in room 209 for about an hour. And we're going to tell you about getting involved and servanthood and, and what we're about as a church. So that's my little soapbox. Thank you. Turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2 now. Because now we're going to start looking at an example of the greatest servant leader. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6. Of all the servants... Servant leaders mentioned in scripture, there is no greater example than that of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 2. Who, being in the form of God, he was God, he is God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But when he came into this world, he made himself of no reputation. That is an attribute of a servant leader. Taking on the form of a bond servant, a slave to his master's will to offer himself for us. Coming in the likeness of men. If he's God, why would we want to put on a human body? And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. Whoa. It was not a glorious thing. In fact, it was a gruesome thing. He suffered greatly for you and me in our stead. Wow. The Romans at that point had perfected punishment through the cross. And Jesus went for you and I. Was that, what is that, was, I'm sorry, was that an easy thing for Jesus? It was not. Remember the night before? He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and he prayed, Father... I want to obey you. I want to be totally submitted to your will. But is there any other way? In a human body, I ask that of you, Father. 
because I'm trying to learn this, and this is, this is difficult as a human. And even though he struggled, said it so, so gruesome was it in his prayer and his fervency that even his sweat was as blood drops. But then he came to the realization and said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's pretty powerful. What is that called? Well, a couple things I see here that I think it's important if we want to develop a servant heart. This is what that one is. It's called voluntary selflessness. Voluntary selflessness. The personal choice to put others first before self. Wow. Since we're in Philippians chapter 2, I want to read uh, verses 3, 4, and 5, but I want to read them backwards. Okay? So Philippians chapter 2, check it out in verses 5. It says, if you're a servant, you have a servant leader, you want a servant heart, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, follow him. Do what he did. Have the same mind. Verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of, what's the key word here? Others. Wow. And then there's verse 3. Let nothing that you do be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But on the contrary, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem, what was that again? Others better than himself. Again, if you want to develop a servant heart, practice voluntary selflessness. Not selfishness, selflessness. And the second I see in that passage that we read in verses 6 through 8 is that there's maximum submission. Say that with me. Maximum submission. This concept goes even farther, further, sorry, than putting others first. Because maximum submission has no regard for personal cost. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. You love me? Prove it. Jesus did not just say it. He actually did it. He practiced it. He had maximum submission. Now, I'm pretty good at submitting to the Lord. You guys would probably say the same. But you know what my kind of submission is? It's called selective submission. We pick and choose what we want to do to serve the Lord. Ah, Weezer, whatever. Amazing. We are called to be servants of all. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, again, servant leadership, it's not an option. It's actually a mandate. Check this out. Mark 9.35 says this. Jesus speaking, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and a servant of those who are my friends. Is that what it says? What does it say? Say it with me. All. Be a servant of all. All. Unconditional servanthood in every situation. That's what Jesus did. He served all. Quite amazing. So be a servant of all. Not Lord or King over others. Because some of us want to be the leader of all in that sense. But if you want to be a leader, you got to serve them. That's it. It's the upside down org chart. You guys know what I'm talking about? So if you have, you know, here's the guy at the top. He's awesome. And he owns everything. He has a lot of money. He has a Lexus. Whatever. Better car than that. Probably. Whatever. And said, if you want to be a servant leader, you flip it upside down. And it goes this way. And you are underneath everybody holding them up. That's powerful. But do we practice that? No way, man, because I want my right. I want my piece of the pie, Mr. Jefferson. Millennials don't get that one, I don't think. Wow. In Luke twenty two twenty seven, 27, Jesus said this, For who is greater, one who sits at the table, the owner, or he who serves, the servant? Is it not he who sits at the table, the owner? And then Jesus says, yet I am among you as one who serves. Wow. The Lord God of the universe who made everything, everything exists by him. He served us. That's crazy. And yet another great verse is Mark 10, 45 says, the son of man came not to be served, but to 
and give his life a ransom for many. One more time. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So let's use that verse as a condition for uh, I want to have a servant heart. I want to do better in serving the Lord. Okay, so I want to serve then, right? Because Jesus served. But based on that verse, to what degree did Jesus serve? Unto the point of death. Wow. I almost entitled this message, Dying to Serve. It's appropriate here at least. Are we dying to serve? Because when we die to self, we truly serve others. Amen? Being a servant, I would say then, oh, I almost forgot this. When you serve, <laughs> when you serve, beware of selfish ambitions because that can happen, you know. We start serving, we get a little bit of recognition. Wow, you're pretty good. That was a great study, bro. Oh, yeah, praise God. I only put 80 hours of the study into it, but God is glorified. A little bit of the glory. Steal it for yourself. Or, or sister, you sound beautiful and your, your voice is amazing. You sound like an angel. Now, that might be a pickup line, so you got to be careful, ladies, so watch out for that stuff. But, but, you know, people puff you up, and you get puffed up, and you're like, well, I am kind of good. You know, I, I, I did do that. Mm. We need to redevelop our thinking. When James and, and John, the disciples, requested special seating in heaven to be seated, seated next to Jesus in his glory... Jesus questioned their motives, and he corrected them by explaining that the only way to greatness was through servanthood. Death, same thing, whatever, synonym. Amazing. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10 real quick. Mark chapter 10. I don't know why, but Mark is the favorite book of the Bible. I don't know why. Um, Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Actually, the gospel of Mark emphasizes servanthood. I don't know if you know that. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus says this. You know that those who are considered rulers over Gentiles, they lord it over them. They're taskmasters. Taskmasters. Um, they, their great ones exercise authority over them. But look at what he says to those who are disciples, those who are servants, those who follow the lead of the Lord. He says, yet it shall not be so among you. You're different. You're not part of this world. You're only called to be in this world for a time to serve others. Don't bring in worldly principles into the church. Don't try these methods. Not so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. That is it. Now I understand, church, that being a servant is not glamorous in a worldly sense. But a lot of us want a little bit of the glory, right? Few people want to do the simple and mundane things for God. The fact is, servants are often called to the mundane, boring work that nobody else wants to do. But let me let you guys in on something again. I said it before, but it's actually the training ground. The thing that nobody else wants to do. And you, you're, you're it. <laughs> Tag, you're it. Do you go and do that and start grumbling and complaining? Do you start cursing those who made you do it? Do you start saying, well, how come they're not helping me? Do you realize that Jesus sees everything that you do? He knows how you do it and who you do it for. I, I said it's a testing ground. When, you know, so many people come to me saying, you know what, I want to serve the Lord, man. And if you just let me, I'll just get up there and I'll be able to give an awesome sermon. I'm like, really? Um, here's a broom. Go sweep. Go clean the toilet. Go scrub all the yellow stuff on the bottom, you know, in Jesus' name. And when you do that, would you be crying saying, this is Jesus' toilet, man. I want a shiny toilet for Jesus. What? You sound crazy, Pastor Mark. No, I'm speaking to you as a servant leader. That what you do, you would do heartily unto the Lord and not to men. Because the Lord sees, and the Lord rewards, and the Lord blesses. I got to tell you, my wife and I, as we've been serving the Lord for 27 years now, we've only been blessed 
There's no greater thing, excuse me, than serving my Lord. And as I will tell you at the end of the study, it is my hope, and I pray that it is your hope, that you would long to hear those words in the end. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Is that your goal? I hope it is. I hope it is. Serve the Lord in 2019. God sees everything. Many people, though, have a desire to do great things. That's, that's valid, understandable, but it has to be done his way. Amen? To close this out, I'll put it on the screen. Greatness comes through servanthood then. And leadership comes through serving all. All. You want to be a great servant? A great leader? Serve everybody. I'm going to ask you three hard questions right now. Can you serve somebody that you do not get along with? Don't go there, Pastor Mark. How about this one? Or maybe I should give you more time to answer that. Hmm. Okay. Uh, next one. Do you serve only when Pastor Al can see you or the pastors? Oh, hey, Pastor. How you doing? You walk away when they're not there. Or how about this one? I'm going to touch a nerve. How do you serve in your own home? Whoa. If you were to, if I were to go to your house right now, how's your bedroom look? Your bathroom, the kitchen. Whoa. I, I get a little convicted here because I remember early on in ministry, I'm serving the Lord, I'm serving the Lord, but I go home and I'm tired, man. I take off my shoes, I crash out, and I'm laying there, and I'm like, woman, give me a sandwich, you know? And she's like, you give yourself a sandwich, you know? I work at the church too. She's like, <laughs> you know, hilarious. But, but I felt convicted at that attitude. And I remember at times when she would go to work and I was off a particular day, I remember just saying, I got to repent of that shame on me if I'm, uh, if I'm expecting my wife to serve me when I can't even serve her. I should be making her a sandwich, rubbing her feet, you know, doing the honeydew list that she so often gives me. It's made me a better servant. Thank you, wife. Love you. She's over there. How important it is to serve in your home. <laughs> Howard Hendricks said this, if it doesn't work at home, then don't bring it into the ministry. <laughs> we don't need that, man. Be a servant. Come and learn how to be a servant. Let me go through this quickly and we'll be done. The dedica dedication of service. How dedicated are you? When I first started ministry as an usher, Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. Man, I would, you know, we'd have to get there on Sunday morning. Service started at 8. We'd have to get there early. They said, be here at 6 in the morning because that's when we would clean the church. All the ushers did that. And, uh, you know, we would, we would clean the bathrooms, the yellow stuff. We would, you know, clean the windows. We would water down the, the front uh, sidewalk and all those things within an hour. Then from 7 to 8, we would have a little devotional time, some coffee in Jesus' name. It's awesome. And then we'd go to service. And so... I remember one time I was like putting away the hose and all that because we were wrapping it up. And I look at all the other ushers and they're just, I guess, done with their job. They're just sitting around kind of talking. <laughs> oh, yeah, praise the Lord, whatever. I'm like, that's wrong. You're supposed to be helping me. Aren't we brothers? And I found myself grumbling in my heart and complaining in my heart. I said, you know, that's not right, man. And I held on to it for a couple of weeks until I went to Joe Lopez, the head usher. Oh, Joe, he taught me a principle. We teach it here. We've said it many times before. But he taught me this principle as a, as a young believer in Christ that sat with me, and it's been major impact in my life. He said this, Mark, you know that you're not a servant when people treat you like one, and you don't like it. Well, what do you mean? I don't like it, whatever. <laughs> you know, and we start complaining and murmuring and groaning. Gosh, the Bible says a lot about complaining and murmuring and groaning in the Old Testament, huh? A lot of those people died in the wilderness. <laughs> yes, sir. What would you have me to do, Lord? Yes, sir. I love you. In Jesus' name. Wow. Interesting principle. I'll tell you again, it's all training ground. It's all training ground. Four quick things and we'll end. Be a servant wherever you go. 
Don't worry about your reputation, people, okay? Just worry about your character. Be one who follows Jesus. And when you follow Jesus, he'll take care of your reputation, just like Stephen, who was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And what was his job? To serve tables. Diakoneo. He is one who served tables. And he did it so well as a spirit-filled man that he got promoted. <laughs> you are the servant now. What do you mean, Mark? Well, he started sharing with the Pharisees, and they didn't like what he said. He had an anointing upon him, and as he shared, the Spirit of God came upon him, and he was rebuking them. In fact, they didn't like him, that they killed him. Wow, now think about this. He's trying to follow Jesus, and I'm just serving tables and telling people about Jesus. But you know what? Because he followed Jesus, he did exactly what Jesus did. He served unto death. So great was his act that Jesus, sitting at the right hand of the Father, saw him passing away, saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Do not charge them. Jesus stands up and says, yes, and he receives him. Jesus saw what Stephen did. He saw his heart. He saw his actions, just like he sees ours. Serve God wherever you go. I would also say seek to glorify God in whatever you do. I've kind of already mentioned it, but let me say this. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. Don't just offer lip service. Yeah, I'll be there, bro. I'll help you. And then you never show up, and then it's just the pastors doing the work again. Volunteer yourself. Get involved. Step up. Step out of faith. Do it unto the Lord, for the Lord, not for men. And this one, keep the right perspective while serving. This is way important. Because after you've even done good, have the same mindset. Check it out. Uh, Luke 17.10 says, So likewise, you, when you have done all these things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do so. That is the right perspective. Just zip it. Scripture says, let another man praise you. They say, hey, did you see how perfectly I wrapped that hose? No water on it. I put it away. It's beautiful. There's your reward. Don't toot your horn, man. Let another man praise you. Do it in secret. Let God be glorified. He will reward you. Lastly, seek to remain in the spirit, you guys. <laughs> especially if you're serving here. Mere acts of service can be, be, be performed with motives that are far from spiritual. We could come to serve here in the flesh. Please go home or go to the prayer room and talk to Jesus. What you do, do in the spirit. So in closing, I would say this, you guys. God is looking for vessels to use in 2019. Here at Calvary Worship Center, we would love to assist you with that. God wants you to do kingdom work. I want to share this poem. It's a little bit lengthy, but it'll hit the point, and then we'll close and go into communion. It's called Searching for a Vessel. Listen to this. The master was searching for a vessel to use. On the shelf there were many. Which one would he choose? Take me, cried the gold one. I'm shiny and bright. I'm of great value, and I do things just right. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest. And for someone like you, master gold would be best. Unheeding, the master passed onto the brass. It was wide-mouthed and shallow and polished like glass. Here, here, cried the vessel. I know I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me, called the goblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my contents so dear. Though fragile am I, I will serve you with pride. I'm sure I'll be happy in your house to abide. The master came next to the vessel of wood. Polished and carved, it solidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said. But I'd rather you use me for fruit, not for bread. The master looked down and saw a vessel of clay. Empty and broken, it helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make whole, to fill and to use. Ah, said the master, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend and use it and make it all mine. 
I need not the vessel of pride itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on the shelf, nor the one who is big mouthed and shallow and loud, nor one who displays his contents so proud, not the one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plain earthly vessel filled with my power and might. Then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed it, and filled it that day, spoke to it kindly, there's work you must do, just pour out to others as I pour out unto you. I want to challenge you guys to be a vessel that has a heart of a servant that is fully in submission to our our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to do his will. It starts with stepping up and stepping out and saying as Isaiah, here I am, Lord, use me, send me. Or are we like Weezer? I don't know if I want to be, it takes work. I don't want to be used of God, really? Then your life, what it is right now, is exactly what it is. God is worthy of our best. Amen? Would you offer that to him this year? Get involved in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time, Lord, as we get ready for communion. I just want to pray and say, Lord, thank you for, thank you for the attentiveness of this group, everyone watching. But Lord, I would, I would venture first to say, in a group this side, there may be somebody who does not yet know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I would say, look, this is their opportunity for them to believe on you and to become your servant, to be forgiven of all their sins if you would just believe. Is there, is there anybody that would say, Pastor Mark, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I want to learn and mature and grow as his servant? Your name could be written in the Lamb's book of life if you believe that he is Lord, that he died for your sins, and that he rose the third day. Is there anybody here that would just acknowledge that and say, Pastor Mark, that is me. I want Jesus. I want to be forgiven. If that's you, please raise your hand. Indicate that quickly. Don't let Satan hold you back or your pride or all the other junk that our flesh has. Anybody. Today is the day of salvation. Call upon him and you will be saved. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly podcast from the pulpit of Calvary Worship Center of Colorado Springs, where Al Pittman serves as senior pastor. Today, we've listened to a guest speaker from Assistant Pastor Mark Bofill about developing a servant's heart. We hope you will subscribe to this podcast and keep current with our weekly teachings. If you want to access a full archive of teachings from Calvary Worship Center, click in at cwccs.org. That's where you will find full information about our church in Colorado Springs, and you'll have the opportunity to support this ministry financially. Thanks for joining us. This podcast has been presented by Calvary Worship Center of Colorado Springs.